Hey there, friends. It's Nick. I'm still fighting this cold, so I apologise if I sound like I'm recording this from a bucket, because that's how it feels. Do you know, in 1999, one of my favourite ever movies came out, and I've mentioned this a lot on the podcast. It was, of course, The Matrix with Keanu Reeves and Carrie-Anne Moss and Lawrence Fishburne. Fantastic, fantastic film. I think I was 29 at the time, and I loved it because it combined uh, a great story, a great story with genuinely new, at least certainly in the way they were filmed, sort of action fight sequences. And, you know, this sort of smattering of philosophy. It was, you know, just a fantastic, fantastic sort of package. Now, I've said before that I find it difficult to feel, to to think about the first film without thinking about what they did in 2003 with the sequels, Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions, which really... It really kind of blew up the franchise for me. And I've recently been re-watching um, all three films because, as you may know, there's a fourth one coming out in December. I was intrigued by the trailer, but I'm just, I don't know, I'm wary because what they did in the second and third films was they, I think, I think forgot about story. And yesterday we were talking about the value, the huge value of creative constraints. And I think, I just wonder whether the the Wachowskis, who wrote and directed all of the movies, whether the massive, huge, enormous success of the first film meant that they could almost do whatever they wanted in the second and third ones. And consequently, they, I think they prioritised things other than story. In fact, Lana Wachowski said in 2012 that they were, they were trying to create the kind of shift in the audience that the character Neo at the centre of the thing was was feeling. And that meant that the first film was, was you know, what they, they described as uh, fairly typical in its approach. The second movie, she said, was deconstructivist. In other words, it challenged lots of the things that we learned in the first movie. And, you know, fast... <laughs> Fans didn't like it. Is it Annie Wilkes in Stephen King's Misery who says that fan love is the truest love of all? Just before she lops his uh, his feet off, probably. Um, and I think there is an element to that, you know. I tried, I wanted to love the second Matrix movie and it just fell so flat in comparison to the first. And she said that that, that they were trying to have this kind of deconstructivist kind of conversation. And in fact, my memory of the end of the trilogy is actually, it turns out, the end of the, of the second film. I'd, I'd almost completely forgotten about the, the third film, which I think tells you a lot about the storytelling. Because when we tell a good story, it's memorable, right? It's a series of escalating cause and effect events that build tension and release tension over time. But we can remember them because one thing in a well-structured story, leads to another. And that just didn't happen. And in fact, what she said about um, the third movie, Matrix uh, Revolutions, was, was that they were attempting to get the audience to participate in the construction of the meaning of the movie. And that's just not why we tell... It's not why we go to story, right? We go to story in part because... We want the narrative to lead us because our, our brains spend, as we've talked about, spend a lot of time constructing meaning. We take all kinds of input, sensory and otherwise, and we try to create this simulation of the world that, that is useful, useful to help us get what we want. All of that kind of meaning is constructed all the time. 
the value of story very often is it simplifies that process. It, it tells us what to think. It tells us who to root for. And I think the Wachowskis just completely lost sight of, of why people why people love storytelling. You know, in the second and third movies, there is no shortage of action. You know, some of the problems they had, you might say, were, were problems of ambition. You know, they, they were trying to do things with, with 3D graphics that, that weren't ready yet and consequently take you out of the story when you can see a character is fighting is actually a model, whether it's in, you know, Matrix 2 or... Spider-Man 2 or something, it pulls you from the story, right? It takes you away from from the story. So it's going to be interesting to see whether that lesson is learned or whether they are, you know, going to carry on in that direction. I guess the reviews will tell us. One thing I did think is, <laughs> I did think yesterday, one of my favourite bits from the first movie is when Neo learns that he can upload stuff into his head. So, you know... They, they hit him with an upload and suddenly he knows Kung Fu. And later on, I think Trinity needs a... She needs to know how to fly a certain kind of helicopter and they upload it into her brain and she can do it straight away. And I always love that idea because, as I've mentioned before, I've, I've, my memory is terrible. Um, I'd love to just to have stuff uploaded into my head. But yesterday, probably, I had the closest thing I'll ever get to a Matrix-style upload. I had my booster jab. And in some sense... We don't feel it in our brains, but in some sense, vaccines are uploads, right? They are things that we are loaded with that teach us how to defend against certain kind of invaders. And uh, I hope you've had your jabs. Thanks for listening. And remember, your story, unlike The Matrix 3, although it did fantastically well in the box office, of course, mean business. Bye now. Hey, this is Nick. Thanks again for listening. To dig deeper, search for story.business.